And you are listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM. We have come into our second hour of the show. It is 8.05 a.m. on a Wednesday morning here in sunny Newcastle as we look out the window and, well, actually, the the shades are closed, but we can kind of adjacently look out a different window (laughs) and see that it is sunny, beautiful weather here, and uh, we're we're just living our best lives. (laughs) <laughs> and we're about to get into our Bible study. But before we do, we've got a number of things to do. The first one is our fourth clue for the quiz. So, Brad, give it to us. Our fourth clue is a pretty short one and should be, if you haven't figured it out by now, um, go and have a look in your Bible for some of the other descriptors that we've given thus far, the hints that we've given. But the fourth clue is, I was the first Christian martyr. So, the first Christian martyr is the next hint. If you have an idea of who that might be, then send in your text message to us on 0491064669. And you can go in the running to win the amazing cookbook by Faye Cassie, Earthly, Earthy Canvas Vegan Cookbook, with all of those yummy morsels of plant-based, healthy vegan cooking. Epic. 0491064669 is the number to call. And we've had a ton of you guys, as I said before, ton of you guys got it wrong. Now, ton of you guys getting it correct. So people are just starting to work out what the answer is. Again, that that uh, question was, who was the first Christian martyr? 0491-064-669 is the number to call. If you have the right answer, your name will go into the drawer. Hey, we've got a bunch of text messages to work through here, Brad. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll do so. A bunch of interaction from the listeners. Thank you for sending in your thoughts. First one here. Welcome, Brad. And congratulations on the new baby coming. <laughs> oh, thank you so very much. Yes. We are very excited, albeit with a little bit of trepidation as we move towards our very first child and everything that parenthood entails. Mm. Actually, I saw another text message. I don't have it here in front of me, but I glanced at it and read through it. And it was also congratulating you on a baby <laughs> coming up as well. And th- that, that one came from Brayden. Uh, and Brayden was wishing you luck as you present here on Faith FM for the first time. <laughs> and he was saying, hey, don't get nervous. And honestly, it doesn't seem like you're just, you're just living your best life. You're just, just chilling, <laughs> having a good time. Time. Uh, so thank you for joining us, Brad. But also, I've got some criticism, Brad. Oh, please. Uh, Give it to us. We need this to one grow. This <laughs> comes from our friend Monica, and she says, Not Brad telling us to get out in our gardens and then celebrating the resurgence of snails. So, <laughs> which is like, hey, they, they're not in my garden. They're in Lord Howe Island. Okay, That's, that's right. That's 600 kilometers away. That's why we're celebrating them. Uh, <laughs> but definitely if they're in the garden, it's not something to be stoked about. Yeah, it is going to take out some of your healthy greens. You'll have to watch the snail populations. Um, but I wouldn't suggest introducing rodents to um, uh, eradicate that population. I don't think that will bode well in your favor or your gardens. Wow. Yep. So, you know, snails in the garden, bad. Snails alive. (laughs) Good. Uh, Let's have another text message here. Bill Gates on the news today says, get ready for a worse strain of COVID. As always, he knows what the future holds. And since it's true, he must be a prophet, right? Question mark, exclamation mark. Laughy cry emoji. Uh, <laughs> this person's uh, speaking a little bit sarcastically, but yeah, I'm sensing a little tongue in cheek there. Uh, unfortunately, I haven't uh, seen the news about Bill Gates, but it's something that we can look at a bit later. But if a worse strain of COVID is coming, well, I have already caught COVID. Most of the people in the studio currently have COVID, <laughs> so surely there's got to be some kind of immunity there. Hopefully, natural hope- immunity and things will <laughs> carry yeah, us through. I'm, I'm hoping because, dude, I'm, this is we're, we're just. 
Well, I am so grateful that Brad is here this morning, but we're, we're just getting it done without these guys, and it's sad. <laughs> uh, we're also, you know, praying for uh, producer Shell to get better. Yeah. Also, you know, our presenter on the Looking Up show, Sharissa's down with COVID at the moment. Lyle is most likely down with COVID. I, I talked to him on the phone last night, and he said he wasn't feeling well. Um, Monica wasn't feeling well either. So, <laughs> so we're, uh, we are, you know, just seeing COVID uh, work its way through. Those who haven't been affected, I know that I was kind of part of a group in January that, that caught it. There was a large kind of surge Lost of COVID, stuff. but right. um, now we're, we're seeing it again. All right, more text messages. This is, again, about the snails. Snails reserving, uh, res- res- resurging in uh, Lord Howe Island. There are about 43,000 species of snails, land, sea, and fresh water. So I was Wowzers. like, I was like, oh, I, I guess there's like a couple species, but... Forty three thousand. That is a. Is that like every snail? Like that's that's insane. <laughs> um, Terry Hill's emergency. The border collie and the young boy comes to the rescue. Good story that ends well. It would have been nice to know how the man did end up in that predicament. That's what we were wondering. Here exactly right. Yes. I would like to think it's really comical. You know, it happened just <laughs> in a really funny way. Like he dropped his apple in the septic tank and. Well, I wouldn't want to retrieve it from the septic tank. Yeah, why tank. would he be going in there? Maybe just drop his phone in the septic tank. I don't know. Might be worth going for. Some Something took place and he ended up upside down, but saved by, you know, very Lassie-esque story. <laughs> just absolutely getting it done. Um, another, another comment here. Supreme Court decision reversal of Roe versus Wade. Could be overturned. That is great news. The stop of mass murder by doctors that has financed, but that has been financed by the government. Government. Who is at fault? Uh, who is at fault here? Totally agree that women should not be made into criminals. Imagine being responsible for the original law being made yeah. because of her beliefs. Now, and this is talking about the woman herself, uh, Roe. In the case of Roe versus Wade. Um, now that she has become a Christian, the guilt would be pretty heavy on her conscience. Let's face let's face it, real fault is the Supreme Court judges. Did they know uh, right from wrong? Obviously, they didn't care. And part of the plan of the New World Order, <laughs> beliefs in <laughs> sacrificial offerings of children to their, to their God, Satan. Okay, so heavy stuff coming through on the text line here. But I guess I can agree with the fact that, you know, this would have been particularly heavy for this woman as well. Uh, being the cause of that decision being made. And again, she is one of the biggest um, most and most outspoken people against it. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, she, she passed away in the last couple of years. She was, you know, at, a, at an old age at that time. You know, as I said in the story, she was 25 and pregnant in 1969, which is where the, years back. where the case revolved around. So she went on to live a, a long life and, and found God. What I didn't mention at the end of her story, I brought this up and then I was thinking afterwards, I was like, why did I bring that up? I, I talked about her relationship past, you know, she was... Um, uh, a lesbian for a number of years and kind of living that lifestyle. It was actually in 1994 when she was converted that she moved away from that lifestyle and at that time became a proponent against uh, the Roe versus Wade decision. Um, and ultimately, you know, what's happening in the Supreme Court, if this does get overturned, um, it doesn't mean that every single state, you know, abortion is now illegal. It means that mm. states have a right to come up with laws laws. Mm. regarding abortion. And again, this is a very heavy topic that we definitely sympathize with people who have been through this situation over. Mm. Um, And we gave the number before, 131114, the number for Lifeline, if you find these topics particularly heavy or triggering for you. As, Mm. you know, the text message indicates, it would have been for for Roe going through that situation. But I think think this this is positive. 
um, because it also it gives states right to the decides. Um, one of the comments coming uh, from you know pundits kind of giving information and weighing in is that it shouldn't be the state's right to tell people what to do, but at the same time, it's the state who creates legislation around mm. you know people being protecting human rights, protecting human rights, and you know also like laws to not murder people and yeah. stuff like that. So I think the state does have the right to do that. And, mm. um, yeah, we as Christians uh, have the ability to reflect on what the Word of God says and and come to a conclusion on how we feel about it. Uh, another text message here. Uh, the change of heart is because God rules in these last days the world will be judged. Okay, so, again, mm. uh, referring to this, um, this uh, yeah. It's encouraging to hear that there is Sin. still a conscience that's yep. being pricked and that the Holy Spirit is still working. Mm-hmm. So that's a really good thought. Yep, but as we see, as we read in, in Matthew twenty four, it says, "As the days of Noah were, so mm-hmm. shall the end be." And uh, right. we're definitely seeing division taking place, just mm. like in that time. Now, in our Bible study, we have moved a little bit past the days of Noah. We're now into the days of Abraham, and well, Abram, and we have been covering his story, uh, how he went into Egypt, and you know he was led there because of a drought that was happening in mm. Canaan, the land that was promised to him by God. We discussed yesterday how this was definitely a temptation for him. And he definitely made, we would say, pretty much the wrong decision. The wrong decision, yeah, definitely. <laughs> if he stayed, you know, within Canaan, God would have provided for him. It was God who called him out there. And so ultimately he's been drawn and led into Egypt. It's interesting to note that um, you just mentioned that him coming down to um, the land of Egypt uh, and that God would have provided for him being mm. in Canaan. I'm not sure if this has been touched on previously, but interestingly enough, hereafter you'll see a similar story with Isaac mm. um, and he ends up on his way down to Egypt, but he doesn't He doesn't go down to Egypt the whole way. Um, mm. And God actually does bless him even in the midst of that drought um, as he doesn't end up all the way in Egypt making that decision as Abram did. He learned from the mistakes is the point. Yeah, wow. So we see generational learning here, which is great people reaching out to God. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Now, we did talk about yesterday Egypt as a symbol that's used throughout the Bible for humanity or the world, you know, and this kind of representing, I guess, spiritually Abraham's temptation. Oh, well, this being the type um, of what we would see later and how it playing out, you know, Abram's uh, temptation of seeing, oh, the situation's better in Egypt. God's called mm. me here, but I'm going to go there because it can provide for me. Uh, but ultimately that not necessarily being true. Yeah, and I think it's it's interesting in, in, in nowadays as well, probably even more so, there there is sometimes a temptation um, for us to look to perhaps the city Mm. as a place of prosperity, as mm. a place where we can uh, develop uh, our riches. As mm. we see in the coming verses in, in chapter 13, you'll see that Abraham was very rich yes. um, in cattle, silver and gold. Mm. Um, and it can sometimes be a temptation for us to consider moving closer to the hubs of um, people, groups and cities. But in actual fact, they are often the hotbeds of um, immorality, immorality and impurity. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, it's, right. it's worth just weighing in on those decisions and just calculating, is this going to be better for me financially as well as morally or mm. just financially? And depravity may ensue as a result of yeah. my mor- morality. That's right. Well, Abraham, this is the, well, Abram, this is what we covered yesterday. Uh, we covered his kind of slimy, conniving, mm. schemy plan to go to Egypt because he sees that he has a beautiful wife. 
Praise the Lord. You know, this guy's like 75 and, uh, you know, around this age, old age. He's got a wife that's roughly the same age. Mm. And he's he believes that she is so beautiful that he'll be killed because of her good looks, uh, which is <laughs> a good situation to be in for him. Praise the Lord for him. Um, but because of that, he comes up and conceives a little bit of a plan that we were commenting on yesterday. We had Hannah here in the studio and I asked Hannah, I was like, oh, so if you had a husband and he was thought you were really beautiful and attractive and amazing, but then wanted to tell everyone that you were his sister so that he didn't get killed, how would you feel about that? And she was like, no, like, why, why would my <laughs> husband do that to me? Like, so terrible, disrespectful. And ultimately, this plan is hatched completely from self-reliance and cowardice. Uh, yeah. He's like, God couldn't protect me in Canaan, so I'm going to go to Egypt, and God can't protect me now. Um, and, you know, he's not. This, these words aren't coming out of his mouth, but his actions are definitely showing this. Yes. And his plan is that, yes, rock up to Egypt, tell everyone that it's his sister, so if they, someone, you know, who's very powerful, a.k.a., well, we're going to see the pharaoh, mm-hmm. um, takes her as a wife, he won't be killed. Yes, uh, drawing it back to um, what we were just talking about in that developing your brain segment, mm. um, I, I have a feeling this would have been one of those memories that would have developed some trauma for Sarah and she would have had to have learned some yeah, of those breathing exercises, terrible. I can imagine, um, as this would have been uh, quite uh, impacting, deeply mm. impacting to to, uh, to Sarah to have her husband, whom you, you read about later on, I think it's um, in the context of the coming chapters where she calls him Lord, essentially. Mm. And Hebrews uh, also reiterates the fact that she called him Lord. So she looked up to him with with deep respect. Mm. Um, It would have felt a little bit of a betrayal, I think, and and a little bit is an understatement, of course. But she would have felt that pretty hard for years to come, I imagine. Mm. Well, let's get into it now. Let's read verse 14 and 15. We've seen the plan. We read about the plan Mm -hmm. yesterday that he had made. Now we're going to read what takes place. So can you read for us verse 14 and 15, Brad? And it came to pass that when Abram was come into Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman, that she was very fair. The princes also of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. Oh, nice. Some KJV action here in the studio. Usually, <laughs> usually I'm reading from the, uh, the NLT. Um, and, but that is fantastic. <laughs> I feel like we can follow. Essentially, they, they rock up. Mm-hmm. And what Abraham thought would happen, happened. They saw Sarah, this 70, 80-year-old woman, and mm. they're like, wow, she's pretty ass. Like, she's really good yes. looking. And so they bring her uh, to the house of the Pharaoh. Now, we know that it, it's not actually directly said at this time, but we know that, you know, indicated by Abram's plan, they probably would have asked her, hey, who are you, the wife of? And she would mm. have said, no one. Uh, this is my brother, Abraham. And a- Abram would have been like, this is my Sister Sarah, mm. someone texted in yesterday to note that they were actually they actually did have that yes half brother and sister, but ultimately like it's the fact that they were married is mm. what is the lie here. That's what they yes. should have disclosed. Yeah, exactly. It touches on a sensitive thing though. Like so many times, like like I've often grappled with the story of Rahab, who mm. uh, was uh, you know in the city of Jericho, and mm. the spies come, and she delivers the spies, and in the process of delivering the spies, she actually tells an outright lie mm. uh, that when they they come to her and they ask her, well, "Where are the spies that came to you from Israel, from the children of Israel?" and she says to them, "Oh, they left, and mm. they're." they're into the hills go from you might catch them she tells an outright lie and and i've grappled with that because god used that 
lie to work deliverance for the spies, but did that justify the lie in the first place? Do you know what I'm saying? And yeah. this is kind of a similar kind of a situation to some extent. Like, um, I mean, Abram should have known better. That's mm. that's the reality. Um, and for him to come out and 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 produce this half truth mm. and and feel justified in in producing this half truth, how do we reconcile those two concepts? I'm not sure. What are your thoughts on that, Lawson? I think uh, that is a very <laughs> no. That's that's a fantastically interesting point. Um, I, well, I think in this case, ultimately, um, there was a level of malignant intent behind yes. what Abraham was doing. He wasn't doing it at a place of command from God. Yeah. He wasn't doing, you know, and, and I think we could discuss the, the ethics of, you know, people often give the situation, okay, you're in World War II, you're harboring harboring Jews and the Nazis come up, what are you going to do? Because you're a Christian, you have to tell the truth, are you going to, like, sell out the Jews? Um, But I think, you know, and and this is where it's it's often a tension. Um, Mm. Ends often don't justify means, Mm. but in very rare cases it does. And so we, you know, especially because Rahab's actions were a command from God, to do, you know, this was the solution that she had. She had recognized in that same that same discourse thereafter to the the the, the spies. She actually says to them that we know that you guys have come from God. So she, in I, I would suggest mm-hmm. that you're on the right track. Like it, she's from a heart of service to God and protection of the innocent. Mm-hmm. She makes that decision yes. with the knowledge that she has. I mean, keep in mind she's from a pagan nation. They didn't have the morals. They didn't have the Ten Commandments that That's the Israelites right. did. So she's just operating from that space of mm-hmm. I'm doing the best that I. Can can with the knowledge yeah. that I have to protect the innocent. And I think that's the key. And this is like you pointed out, like you touched on that Abraham here, he doesn't have that intent. He's looking out for himself. Yes, that's He's right. trying to take care of himself. And that's where things become uh, a little bit, um, uh, those situations are far removed from yeah. one another. It's the heart intent. That's a beautiful point. She's doing the best according to what she knows. She's mm. living up to her light of truth of how, you know, if if she had have told them the, the truth, like the men of the city that she's in, uh, it's possible that God would have protected them and it all yes. would have worked out yeah. if she had that particular conviction. But she's ignorant. Mm. And God works with her and judges her accordingly. Yep. She uses what she has and God uses what she has to work all things together mm. for good. Mm. But again, in this situation, it is coming out of a place of faithlessness, That's of right. self-protection. And um, the lie works uh, because she ends up in the house of the Pharaoh. Mm. And we don't have to do uh, much assuming to think of what the Pharaoh's intent would be yeah. from this point forward. Yeah. She is a beautiful single woman. Mm-hmm. Pharaoh is the king of a powerful nation, Egypt. There's, 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 there's a very few roads, you know, that, that, that people <laughs> can go down from it's here. It's pretty straightforward. It's yeah. like, oh, so what is, what is this Pharaoh, this very powerful man going to do with this very beautiful single woman? Yeah. Um, yeah. and we, yeah, we know, like he is keen and intent on bringing her into the fold into of, his harem. of, uh, concubines, of wives, whatever mm-hmm. it may be, yeah. um, yeah. because, because of her good looks. Yeah, it's interesting to note, just drawing back um, to what we were talking about before with, um, you know, Abraham, Abram making this decision to enter into Egypt. Mm. And it's like, he, it seems as though there's like this this concept of creeping compromise, if you're ever familiar with yeah, the term, sure. right? It's like this one little decision that he makes to sort of compromise with like, okay, I can sense that there's going to be mm. prosperity, leads him then to make a, another another compromise in morality yes. um, thereafter. And it's just interesting to note that we need to be very careful to put a stop to the very yes. early stages of compromise before they take us further down that path. That's right. His decision of compromise is cascading. That's the word. To the point where his wife 
of whom, you know, he is given vows to protect and mm. love and care mm. for is in a situation where she could potentially end up betrothed to a king in Egypt against not only the command of God, but against just the general decency of self like against well she doesn't want to be there she doesn't want to be his husband but yeah very interesting situation and we're going to see the result of this as we get into it in the next section you're listening to the breakfast show podcast on faith fm positively different here on Faith FM, and we are going to get into our final clue for the quiz this morning and this should make it easy. This, <laughs> this, this should is... really just flood us with respondents. Which, by the way, we have. Guys, like, there has been so many people texting in the correct answer this morning, so congratulations. But if you want to text in the correct answer, now is your chance, because we're going to give you the easiest of the questions. Oh, the answer. Yep. Questions. Answers. Clues. So the last of the clues is that I was stoned to death. The first Christian martyr, stoned to death. Clothes were laid at the feet of Saul and debated with a group of people in the synagogue of the freed man. Just to reiterate those other hints. 0491-064-669 is the number to call if you know the answer. And again, as we've been promoting, you can win our prize for this week, the Earthy Canvas Vegan Cookbook. It is amazing. It is expensive. It is fantastic. (laughs) And you can give us a call. or not a call, sorry, a text. Our call line is down at the moment, but 0491-064-669 is the number. Number to text. I've had a que- uh, text message come in, uh, just commenting on our Bible study. You hit that. You hit it. Uh, you hit in the point, Lawson. Okay, so we're getting some praise about <laughs> encouragement. <laughs> some, yes, some things I said. Um, I don't think lying is ever appropriate. Sure, God can use it, as is the case in Rahab. Um, but if we are honest, God can protect us and those we have under our care. Mm. So the reality is, yes. Rahab was a relatively extreme or outlying yes. kind of situation, uh, just like the situation of, you know, if the Nazis come to your house and you're harboring Jews, like that is an extreme situation. Yeah. Um, but in like the ultimate and general principle is, <laughs> don't lie, it's bad. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, God can use ignorance in, say, the situations of Rahab. But Abraham in this story definitely is not ignorant he is full knowing, and uh, we, as we just got to the end of uh, these passages here, um, the result of what he thought happened did happen. Yeah, exactly. This the thing that he seemed, feared. This, this actually seems like what we were talking about uh, earlier. You know, feeding the fear, going into brain yeah. freeze, like you know, leaving out his rational thinking to say, like, oh, you know, oh, this is so scary. We're going to go into Egypt and I might die, so I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to lie about, you know, my marital status and all these things. And ultimately, it leaves them in the situation that he thought would happen. Uh, but he didn't have to end up in this situation. That's right. But now let's read about what what takes place. What happens to the Pharaoh? What happens to Sarah? What happens to Abram? Um, could you read for us, Brad? Let's Let's pick it up in verse 16. And let's just read to the end of the chapter. Noted. All right. And he entreated Abram well for her sake, and he had sheep and oxen and he, and he asses and men servants and maid servants and she asses and camels. And the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this that thou hast done unto me? Why didst thou not tell me that she was your wife? Why said you, She is my sister? So I might have taken her to me to wife. Now, therefore, behold your wife, take her and go your way. And Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away and his wife and all that he had. All right. So 
this is interesting. This is the first time that plagues hit Egypt. Very much uh, preceding the Exodus. It does feel very ominous in that sense, doesn't it? When we sort of know what happens 400 years from now, mm. at least. Um, but it, what I, what intrigues me is that how do we know that Pharaoh actually um, recognised that this was obviously the cause of the plagues? Do you know what mm. I'm saying? Like that we don't actually have that insight into the story as to what it was that triggered in in Pharaoh's mind that hey, this 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 woman is not actually the one that you're supposed to be taking to be your wife because it's Abram's. What? It, it just how did that all? transpire i'd love to have seen or to know of the details of that drama well i think obviously at this point and just the same as the plagues that happened in the time of the exodus with Mm. pharaoh at that time uh which was you know it's a different pharaoh descendant of this pharaoh um he very much just would have recognized the fact that i've taken this woman into my house Mm. and all of a sudden my life is getting a lot worse (laughs) like not only his life it says in his house but also for egypt itself he's like okay i've made a very you know i've seen a beautiful woman i've taken her in you know to to be betrothed to me and all of a sudden my nation is crumbling like Mm. i feel like there would have been some recognizing taking place here they would have you know there would have been some indication as well i believe god was also working on his heart here because interestingly unlike the pharaoh in the exodus this guy responds to conviction yes he sees he sees the the plagues Mm -hmm. but we also know when we read the exodus story that god was working in the heart of pharaoh trying to convict him to make the right decision Um, but pharaoh hardened his heart that's it. Against what God had done, against how mm-hmm. God was working. Whereas this Pharaoh softens his heart. He yeah. he sees the plagues, he feels the conviction, and he says, this is obviously caused by this action that I've made. I need to let this woman go. Now, he probably would have went to the woman, you know, this is assuming, because he has the information about Abram. Yeah. Um, he probably would have went to the woman and say, hey, wh- wh- what is your deal? Why are you really here? Probably mm. would have questioned her. Um, Sarai probably would have said, Oh well, actually, like my my Abraham is actually my husband, not my brother. And, yeah, uh, you can imagine that would have come out at some point in yeah, that conversation. That's, that's right. And uh, he's like, okay, I'm very clearly being punished here for for some reason. You know, she probably might have disclosed as well. Also, you know, we've been led by Yahweh, the God of Heaven, out into the wilderness. You know, we don't know exactly how much mm. she disclosed, but we know that. A, uh, the Pharaoh's knowledge is to the point where he is like, by giving this woman back to Abram and yep. letting them leave, the plagues will stop. Absolutely. And what I'm so encouraged by in this story, I just had to point this out mm. um, in reading this story previously. I'm so encouraged by the fact that, like, although Abram made a terrible decision, mm. this should not have gone well in his favor. Mm. But because he had been choosing in his life to follow after Yahweh, mm. God protected him from that. And it reminds me of a verse in Psalm 105 Mm -hmm. and verse 15, I believe it is, that basically says that he protects his servants. So it's also found in 1 Chronicles 16. um, And it says um, that he suffered no man to do them wrong. Yea, he reproved kings for their sakes. Mm. Uh, This is David who's um, just in the process of taking the ark of God uh, back into possession after it's been taken away. Mm. Um, And he's praising God, saying that God protects his people 
even when they walk contrary to him mm. to an extent um, in, 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 as a means yeah. of bringing them back to himself. Mm. And every action of God, this is the point, every action of God, whether um, uh, you know, it's plagues falling upon the house of Pharaoh or um, you know, protecting Abram and his wife in that situation, is God attempting to draw people's hearts back to himself, to soften them, as you pointed mm. out, that Pharaoh um, took on, mm. uh, soften their hearts so that then they can actually come back to God and, 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 and build on their relationship with him yeah we can see clearly here like god is being merciful to abraham at times in the old testament god passed judgment you know we just talked about the story of the flood and it's like oh why was god merciful to abraham in his sin and Mm. mistake and failure but maybe not merciful to those in that time and ultimately it's because god is giving us mercy every day yeah like how like the fact that we are alive is mercy Mm, from god we are sinners we deserve to die um but god is consistently and constantly giving us mercy now god also knows a point in which someone hardens their heart to the point where they won't accept him anymore and at that point god often passes judgment which you can see in these two examples of the pharaohs as well Mm. just like you mentioned one of them softens his heart the other one hardens yes and both of both of them receive plagues yes because of one softening the the plagues are Distinguish, like extinguish. There's no mm. more plagues. There's nothing. He responds. He does the right thing, and it works out here for Abraham. And it's like, oh well, what? Well, shouldn't Abraham be punished? Like, hasn't Abram done the wrong thing? Mm. And the answer is yes. And is he punished? Well, in a way, like his his reputation, all, all a bunch of different things. I, I feel like this this doesn't leave him scot free. But ultimately, yeah. God is merciful to him, just like God is merciful to us every day when we make yes. mistakes and sins. Um, God is merciful to him and he is able to continue the mission of uh, creating and establishing the nation that would bring forth the Messiah. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And Brad, we are going to give them one more run through of all the clues and let them get the answer so that they can go in the draw to win our amazing prize. So give it to us, Brad. These are the cues in order. I debated with a group in the synagogue of the freed man. That was number one. Number two is Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas, and I were chosen to care for the widows so they weren't neglected. Mm. Number three, my clothes were laid at the feet of a man named Saul. Number four, I was the first Christian martyr. And number five, I was stoned to death. If wow. you have the answer, if you know who that is, get in touch with us. Send us a text message on zero four nine one zero six four six six nine, and you could go in the drawer, as we said, to win the Earthy Canvas Vegan Cookbook by Faye Kazzy, which I, I you need to Google it, and you'll see some of those pictures of the food that you can make with that cookbook. And I can guarantee you will be searching your Bible hard to try and find the answer <laughs> to those hints, so that you can get that book in your library. Awesome. Well, right now it is time for question of the day and uh brad just give it to us what are we discussing so the question that we have today is actually in reference to our bible study laws and so here's what we want to know we want to understand how can we reconcile a god that sometimes produces calamity or plague say for pharaoh and then a god who also then produces blessing and protection for others of his children how do we reconcile that with with the god of love in the bible why is it that he sometimes gives us trials and other times gives us blessings I would say this, simply put, God wants us to be saved. Amen. Like God, God's <laughs> ultimate goal for everyone is to be saved. 
Like, this is what he wants more than anything else. Now, to achieve this, you know, God has definitely principles Mm. in place to save people. But sometimes people need mercy to their actions, and sometimes Mm. people need consequences. Um, We read in the book of James, chapter 1, the Bible says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Now, these trials that we fall into are often the result of our own actions. That's an interesting point. Like, we often do the wrong thing, and then we end up in a bad way because of it. And I think that that harkens right back to, you know, all the way in the beginning, if we look at Adam and Eve in the garden. Like, they caused sin uh, because of their own actions. They, yes. Like, they were perpetrators, and they received consequences. Now, we are also victims of sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this doesn't totally cover like, okay, but but what if something bad happens to me even though I did something good? And the reality is, again, God wants you to be saved. Yes. If this is what you need um, in to be drawn to God, mm. God will give it to you. Yeah, I think we ultimately have to, um, from what I'm gathering from what you're saying there, Lawson, mm. we ultimately have to put ourselves in a posture of recognition that God is actually still a God of love yes. in both scenarios. And that mm-hmm. we need to be able to understand when it is that we need to be receiving the blessing or when mm. it is that we need to be receiving the chastening of the Lord or falling into those diverse temptations so that we can then grow through the experience. Yeah, and as you mentioned, chastening of the Lord in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 7. Uh, well, Hebrews chapter 12 is one of my favorite chapters in the book of Hebrews. I can imagine. Uh, but particularly where it says, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as his sons. Mm. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? Now, you receive chastening, like wholly and solely, usually, you receive discipline as a result of wrongdoing mm. or as a, a I guess, uh, preceding wrongdoing. You know, if, if, if my dad can like see like, oh man, if Lawson does this and he'll do the wrong thing when I was a child, well then he would give me rules and regulations to restrict me from doing that thing. But then if I still did the wrong thing, you know, I would receive chastening. Yeah. You need the consequences. We need the consequences so that we can grow. Again, God wants us to be saved. He wants us to be close to him. And sometimes it is those consequences Mm. that bring us closer to him and he knows which one we need in that situation he knows which one we we need and he has the power to put either of those into our lives um to enable us to grow closer to him and i think a really good analogy to describe this is sometimes the plant needs water and sunlight uh you know needs to be fed to grow and other times it needs pruning that's a good point. That's profound. Yeah, it is. And it's ultimately like pruning is not a great experience. What you're doing is intentionally putting the plant under stress or the bush or whatever it is. Yeah. You're putting it under stress. But for the purpose, what happens if it you grows. put it under stress is that it grows. You'd know that as True. a good gardener, Brad. But that <laughs> is the answer to our question today. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM. We have come to the end of the show this morning, Aww. and Brett, you have just been awesome. We thank you so much, <laughs> listeners. You've been awesome too. You've been sending us so many text messages and, and lots of love on the text line. So thank you so much. And uh, as always, uh, Brad, we get to the end of the show and we give away something absolutely for free. So what are we giving away? Yeah, I am particularly excited about this one, Lawson. We are giving away a book called Jesus. Seven Keys to Finding Jesus in the Book of Revelation. If you've ever read through Revelation, there is some pretty complex symbolism Mm -hmm. 
extrapolated in there and it is good to know as Jesus said in John 5.39 that you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life and they are those that testify of me and we need to be finding Jesus in all of scripture yep. so this is going to be a just uh, a, an invaluable book mm-hmm. for your library seven keys to finding Jesus in the book of Revelation mm-hmm. which is especially important to do because the first verse says this is the revelation of Jesus Christ so he's obviously in there he's we've in just got to know how to find <laughs> <him>. <laughs> we just got to we just got to catch up to him well fantastic again 0491064669 is the number to call or text the first one through we'll get this completely for free please contact us um, but we have come to the end of the show we have really enjoyed your presence here with us as we've been studying the bible spending time in interviews talking about new stories and whatnot we want to encourage you to spend time with Jesus today in personal bible studies if you'd like to do bible studies with someone 0491064669 is the number to call to get in contact with us but thank you so much for joining us today have a fantastic rest of the day stay tuned for Tassie Encounters after this and guys remember to talk faith live faith and act faith and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ.